The following is a series of four devotions that were preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. They were preached for the children's Christmas service on Sunday, December 15, 2019, and were based on 1 John 3, verse 1. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So what would it take for you during this busy month of December to actually stop all of your busyness, to stop everything that you're doing, and to just stare at something for a while. I'm guessing it would have to be something pretty surprising and pretty spectacular, wouldn't it? For example, when you're driving home from work this week, I'm guessing that you won't be stopping at every single house that has any sort of Christmas light display out front. But if you happen to come across that one special house with a display that's truly impressive, you know, the kind that it, it sort of seems like you'd be able to see it from outer space if you were up there, the kind that seems like it's causing the little needle on that person's electric meter to actually visibly move round and round. If you came across one of those houses, you might pull over for a bit just to stare. Or what if you were heading to the store for some last-minute Christmas shopping, and there, near the entrance to the store, there was a group or a choir performing Christmas music live. Normally, you might power walk right past that group on your way to the toy, the toy aisle. But if that group is playing your favorite song, the one that brings back memories from childhood, the one that means something very, very special to you, and, and doing so with tones and harmonies that are just absolutely beautiful, you might stop for a bit just to listen. During this Christmas season, there isn't much so surprising, so spectacular that we would actually stop and just stare for a while. And yet that's exactly what the Apostle John tells us to do in that verse that you just said a little bit ago and that serves as the theme for this entire service. John wants you to see. He wants you to look. He wants you to stop for just a second and stare. Stare at what? Well, not at how cute the children sitting in front of you look. Not to see if they're going to get all their parts exactly right. Not to make sure that, that they're behaving up here and aren't doing anything to embarrass mom or dad. But to stop and stare at the thing that they are going to be telling you about. John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Love, huh? Out of all the things that we might stop our lives and stare at during this Christmas season, love might fall low on the list, especially during Christmas. Love maybe seems like sort of a cheap commodity. Think how often we use that word love. We say we love our gingerbread cookies. We love Christmas decorations. We love watching our favorite football team play on TV. We love that new iPhone that we got for Christmas. We love all of those things, so why in the world would we stop and stare at love, what makes it so remarkable? Well, for starters, we're going to see that God's love for us started in the very beginning. In the beginning, God tells us it was just God. And yet God was not alone. God was not bored. God wasn't lonely or needing someone to keep him company. Because the Bible tells us that God is triune. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. And among those three persons of our triune God, there was perfect and complete love. In other words, God needed nothing. God needed no one. So why in the world would he change all that? 
Normally when we love something, it's because that thing or that person satisfies some sort of need or, or some sort of want that we have. We, we love gingerbread cookies and, and iPhones, and we love the Packers because of what they offer us in our lives, something that we would not otherwise have. But, but God needed nothing. God needed no one. And yet he created us anyways. And not only did he create us, but he created an entire universe for us. He created this earth to provide us with every last thing that we need. And he created this earth to have a whole lot of things that we don't really need at all, but just fill our lives with beauty and splendor. You've heard of love at first sight. God's love for us is really love before first sight. It goes all the way back to the beginning. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That's love worth stopping for. It's love worth staring at, and it's love worth singing about. It's not uncommon this year to experience a thing called buyer's remorse. The companies that make the different products that we buy don't just make those products. They pay people lots and lots of money to try and make those products look as good as they can possibly look on the commercials they produce and the internet ads that they put out. And so it's not uncommon at all to buy something, maybe even for someone else, something that you think they're absolutely going to love, and then when it shows up, it's not nearly what you hoped it would be. It's smaller than it looked on TV. It's flimsy and very poorly made. That thing that the commercial said it was going to do, well, it doesn't really do it, or at least not all that well. Thank goodness for return policies, right? It's the ultimate safety net against buyer's remorse. Hopefully that thing that you got, the store where you got it from, has, a, has an excellent return policy. Hopefully that gift that great, great Aunt Ida got for you has a, a little gift receipt attached to it. That way you can head out with millions of other people on one of the busiest shopping days of the year, the day right after Christmas. You can go out and take it back. If ever anyone had the right to have a little bit of buyer's remorse, it was God. And you just heard why. In spite of everything that he had done for them, in spite of how much he loved Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve doubted God's love and they disobeyed his command. What you didn't hear is how quickly and how severely things went downhill after that. Although to a certain extent you don't really need to hear about that because that's what you experience each and every day. All the violence and the bloodshed, the greed and the corruption, the hatred and the fighting that goes on in our world. This is the world that we live in as a result of Adam and Eve falling into sin. And so if ever anyone would have maybe thought for just a second that he might have wanted to exercise a return policy of sorts, it would have been God. Why not just start over? Why not just wipe the slate clean? Why not go back to the very beginning when it was just God? Things were better then. Everyone was happier then. And yet you heard what God did. Rather than starting us over, rather, rather than starting over, rather than giving us the punishment that we deserve, God continued to repeat the promise that he had made to Adam and Eve. Over and over and over again, in new ways with more detail, God said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make everything better, and I, your God, am going to bear the cost. 
God's love for us started in the beginning, but God's love didn't end there. God's love continued as sinful humanity took us deeper and deeper into sin, and yet God continued to repeat his promise to send a Savior. What great love our Father has lavished on us. This is love worth stopping for, love worth staring at, and again, love worth singing about. It's not at all unusual to see the UPS truck parked right outside the front door of our house. And not just this time of year, but really all year round. And for the vast majority of the year, I know exactly why it's there, and I know it's not for me. I know that it's for the member of my family who owns a business and operates that business out of our house and gets materials and supplies for that business nearly every day. But now it's Christmas time, and there are gifts being sent and gifts being delivered. And so when that UPS truck shows up, who knows, it might even be for me. And so when I get home and I see that stack of brown boxes outside our front porch, I actually go over and look just to check. (laughs) And nine times out of ten, do you know what the label on the box says about where and who it's from? Probably exactly the same thing that it says for you. It came from the Amazon Fulfillment Center. Promises are nice, but those promises mean nothing if they are not fulfilled. I mean, just imagine if Amazon were simply a website where you could go and and you could find all kinds of cool stuff that you want and you tell them that you want it and you give them their money, but then those things never actually showed up at your doorstep. I don't think Amazon would be trading at nearly $2,000 a share right now. In fact, I don't think they'd be in business very long at all. Promises are nice, but promises are nothing if they are not kept. Centuries and centuries of promises that God made to his people would mean absolutely nothing if they were not finally kept. We might think it's a pretty amazing thing that Amazon can make us this promise that no matter what we order, almost anything that we order, it's going to show up two days later, and they almost always keep that promise. How much more amazing that God, finally, when the time was right, kept all of his promises by sending his son. If it were me, I know the thoughts that would have been swirling through my head when the time finally came to watch his one and only son leave the comfort of heaven for a life of pain on earth, to trade in all of his riches for a life of poverty, to trade in his throne for a feeding trough, to trade in his crown for a cross. Boy, this seemed like a good idea at the time, but now that, now that it's time to actually keep that promise, boy, I don't know. Thankfully, it wasn't me. This love that God has for us, it's not just a love that he showed in the beginning, not just a love that he demonstrated by making all of these promises, but a love he also showed in keeping them, every last one of them. When the time was right, heaven's best gift showed up right at our doorstep. What great love the Father has lavished on us. That's a love worth stopping for, a love worth staring at, and again, a love worth singing about. You can tell a lot about how important a person is to you by the gifts that you exchange with that person at Christmas. 
In fact, I, I, could, I think we could take all of the relationships that we have in life and sort of group them into different tiers, categorized based on the presence that we give those people. And I, I think those different groups would sort of form a pyramid. At the very bottom is where the most people are, people who don't get a gift per se, but they do get our annual Christmas card. We're perfectly fine sending one of those Christmas cards to our third cousin twice removed who we haven't seen in three years because at the end of the day it doesn't cost us all that much. One step up from that, you've got people with whom you've got a pretty casual acquaintance and yet proper etiquette sort of requires you to buy them a present. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's your mailman, maybe it's the teacher of your children at school. And so you get them a, a small gift, maybe something like a Starbucks gift card or a small tin of chocolate candy. Next comes your close friends and your extended family, people that you love a great deal, but you naturally have to set certain parameters so that the spending doesn't get out of hand. These are the people where you set a spending limit that no one is allowed to exceed. These are the people where you maybe do a, a secret Santa arrangement so that you buy a present for just one of your nieces or nephews instead of all 27. <laughs> and then finally, at the very top, it's immediate family. Your children, your spouse. Again, there's naturally a limit. We can only spend so much, but we're much more comfortable spending extravagantly on these types of people because of our relationship with them and because... There's only a small number of them. But what would happen if someone took all of those rules of gift giving and receiving at Christmas and broke them? In fact, what if someone took that pyramid and just turned it completely upside down? What if instead of sending out Christmas cards this year, you sent out Christmas $100 bills in the mail? What if instead of getting the mailman a small batch of cookies, you decided to buy him a brand new fancy leather coat? I think that would take someone by surprise. I think that would grab their attention. It's surprising enough that God would send us the gift of his son, but we might be tempted to think that that gift is so special, so wonderful, that maybe it's just for a small select few. In fact, we could probably look around and come up with all kinds of different ways that we could categorize people into different tiers based on how close or how far away we think they are from God. We might think to ourselves that the people who are really close to God are the people who are in church every single Sunday, just like you are today. People who read their Bibles every single day and pray all the time. On the other hand, someone might say, no way, it's, it's not those people who are caught up in all of those religious formalities. It's the people who live their faith each and every day, people who are, who are generous, who give to charity, who help others out. Someone else might say, no way, it's, it's not those people. It's the poor and the marginalized. It's the outcast and the disadvantaged, the little guy. That's who is closest to God. In reality, of course, all of us, by nature, are equally far away. Complete strangers to God. In fact, the Bible describes us as his enemies. And yet when God sends us the gift of his son, it's not just to make us casual acquaintances. It's not just to bring us on speaking terms. It's not just to make us third cousins twice removed. No, God sends us his son to make us his sons and his daughters. To make us members of his family.
Yes, God's love started at the beginning. It continued in promises made and promises kept. And finally, it culminates as God gives us this gift so that we would belong to him. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's love worth stopping for, worth staring at, and one more time, worth singing about.